Hi everyone, you're listening to the Multifamily Artist Podcast. I'm your host, Taylor Koo, and this is the show where I interview investors to find out how they found their rhythm and created their own sound investments. Enjoy the show. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Multifamily Artist Podcast. I'm your host, Taylor Koo, and this is the show where I interview investors and discuss how they found their rhythm and created their own sound investments. Before we hop into today's show, I want to remind you of today's sponsor. This show is brought to you by PassiveInvesting.com. PassiveInvesting.com is a private equity real estate investment firm focused on institutional quality multifamily and self-storage assets in the hottest markets in the United States. PassiveInvesting.com partners with their investors to provide opportunities to build wealth together by delivering consistent monthly cash flow, capital appreciation, and strong tax benefits. They currently have 1,700 passive investors with a 62% repeat investor rate. If you're interested in learning more, head over to PassiveInvesting.com or click the link in the show notes. You can get more information on investment opportunities, educational webinars, or insightful articles. Reach out and see how they can help you build wealth through real estate. Now for today's guest. We have a highly sought after guest and a host of the popular podcast, The Notes Closers Show. In act, he's an active entrepreneur, expert in real estate investing, marketing, and podcasting, speaks regularly at different events and industry conventions focused on real estate, marketing, and podcasting. He's helped thousands of investors and entrepreneurs each year create wealth through his debt buying classes, podcasts, and coaching. He was actually recently named the number four entrepreneur to follow in 2022 by U.S. News Reporter Magazine. He's an avid sports fan, loves to spend his time traveling, gardening, and making memories. All the way from Austin, please give a welcome to Scott Carson. What is going on, man? Honored to be oh, Taylor. You have a soundboard. Oh, my gosh. I wasn't expecting that. I, that's what I need to get. I need to get a soundboard. That's hey, when you get into San Francisco, like I know you're moving, I actually picked this up down on Columbus Avenue in some Hallmark store for 10 bucks. You can buy them on Amazon. 16 different noises. I've got one that says 16 different ways to say the F word, too, which is pretty funny, but we use that for bad days, not good days uh, like today. <laughs> Well, I'll definitely have to hit you up and then try and find the place. That's so funny. I, you're actually the first person that I've met that has a soundboard that comes onto this show. So <laughs> props to you. <laughs> Got to have fun at what you do, right, Taylor? Got to have fun. Yeah, absolutely. So aside from the intro then, Scott, from aside from the intro that, that I just that I, uh, just spoke about, I'd love to know a little bit more about your journey and how you got into just notes in particular. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting story. So like many people, I graduated from college, went out in the workforce. I, I graduated back Southwest Texas State University in San Marcos, a big party school back in the day, but I had a business and management degree and went into the workforce like many people. We bought our first house. You know, we had great credit. We bought our first house, nothing down. And our realtor was like, you know, this is 2002. Like, it's a great time to buy. You know, you've got great credit, you should be an investor. I grew up in a small town working in my parents' hardware store. So there's a lot of things I, I can do. I mean, I basically built houses from the, the foundation up. I was like, oh, yeah, sure. Let's do this. I like HGTV. I like flip this house. Yeah, let's dive into real estate investing that way. It's sure. Well, bought two investment properties here in the north side of Austin up by Round Rock. And mm-hmm. there's a s- small little computer company that rhymes with hell that's nearby. They're called Dell. Uh- <laughs> 
And so we bought, we basically bought three properties, our primary plus two investment properties in, in like six months of each other. Well, fast forward three months later, I was laid off from my, my six-figure job as a financial advisor. And my two tenants also got laid off from Dell. So we went from making good money, thinking we were living that to basically being a distressed borrower. So lucky for us, we were able to get the two investment properties off our portfolio. We avoid foreclosure in my primary one. And for about a year and a half, I was sitting there licking my chops, just kind of kicked in the teeth. And we all know a lot of people have been through tough times as an investor. So fortunate for me, a buddy of mine that I used to work with was starting a mortgage company here in Austin, Texas, with a couple other investors that were traveling the country on the uh, the Ron LeGrand circuit, teaching creative financing, own, you know, owner financing notes. And that's what most people think note investing is, is, is just creating the paper. Well, for four years from 2004 to 2000, I traveled on the circuit, learned all these creative strategies. And then I had basically a four-year apprenticeship on learning the note business from Bob Leonetti and Jamie Kayla. And then when everything hit, you know, during that period, I was doing, you know, wholesaling. I was, you know, flipping properties here in Austin, taking things that were subject to, doing a little bit of private lending and, and doing well. But then, of course, we all know what happened in 2008, the, the recession. I sold my half of the mortgage company for a buck. And just went out and just started dialing for dollars, started calling banks to track down the distressed assets because I had, I was very good. We, we all need mentors. And I had a couple of mentors who made a lot of money in the 80, in the 80s during the resolution trust corporations and the meltdown from back then. And they're like, this is a once in a 20, 30 year opportunity to buy debt. And I was like, okay, let me put it to put it to, to put what you taught me. And sure enough, started buying non-performing notes, actually buying non-performing notes on multifamily. You know, first deal was an eight-unit apartment complex in San Diego that was worth 700. We bought the note at 375. I flipped that for $35,000 profit in less than 24 hours. Bought a 20-unit note, a note on a 20-unit in LA, flipped that for $100,000 profit in like 30 days. And just started buying individual, you know, single-family home notes direct from some of the banks and lenders out there. And, and, And you know, started teaching it in 2010 and, and Lily just said, okay, I see an opportunity here with what was going on in the market. And that's what I focused on. So I just started focusing. I got rid of the other strategies that I was doing. I mean, I wasn't really a great landlord anyway, which is okay. <laughs> but I was really good at documenting and sharing my journey through YouTube videos or Facebook videos of what I was doing, looking at all these deals. Mm-hmm. And that led to people, hey, I like what you're doing or uh, how can we get involved? Can you teach us? I'm like, sure, I'll teach a class. Or People come through the class like this is awesome, but I'd rather just write a check to you and let you and invest with you on it. And so, fast forward now, 15 years later from or 14, 15 years since I started, bought over a billion dollars in distressed debt. We've closed on thousands of deals, you know, raised millions of dollars in capital. Uh, educator of the year a couple of times in my field, and then also, well, the biggest thing is we've helped a lot of other investors go out and and tackle this niche, not only just on residential but commercial notes too. And then we've also helped America a lot. As I like to say, we like to make America great again, one defaulted borrower at a time by <laughs> buying debt and then working out working out to keep people in their houses if we can, for the most part. So that's a little about me. I mean, I literally in 2010 sold everything I owned after I got divorced and said, you know what? I have an opportunity here. Single guy now, me and just my dog, Princess. And uh, I'm a big baseball fan, big Giants fan, big, big oh, Giants fan. there you fan. go. Because the Rangers suck. <laughs> <laughs> the Astros aren't bad, but anyway. But one the, the one big thing that really kind of spawned my success more than anything else is in, I sold everything I owned in Austin in 2010, except my truck and the dog. And I planned to travel across the country for 30 weeks 
visiting every major league baseball park. I'm like, I've got the opportunity, no wow. nothing. I can do this business from anywhere. And I planned it all out literally like the first part of March is coming up on an anniversary. Now that you think about 12 years, almost to a month here, mm-hmm. plot it out by pulling up ESPN and the schedule for all the things. So if I hit Dallas, I can go down to Houston, then I can go across to Atlanta and planned out this you know trip and divine intervention in like the next two weeks, I started getting phone calls from real estate investment clubs, meetup groups, some real estate blogs that were like, hey, we see your stuff about note investing. Can we use it for our own blogs and stuff? And would you like to come out and speak to our group and share this niche? I was like, yeah, what do you want me? And the dates that they had available lined up perfectly when I was serious, perfectly with the schedule that I had planned out mythically to the day. But I was like, okay, this is God's, this is divine. So I thought would what I thought would be 30 weeks on the road turned to like three and a half years of nonstop travel, meeting with bankers and, and speaking at clubs and working with investors all across this great country. Wow. Congrats. Congrats. Thanks, That's incredible. And, and just hearing the journey and, and going through what you've gone through, it's extremely impressive to see all that success and, and building a huge following. And even for us to be able to have this conversation, I, I think it's just, I commend you for it. But, you know, this is going to be like a, just a little bit of a stupid question because, but can Ask. we? Can There's we, no dumb questions, man. Well, There's no dumb questions. Well, it's for me and then also just my audience too. Can we just, <laughs> for, for, to break down and, and take a step back, just the idea of investing in a note and what a note is and what different type of notes that there are? Because, I mean, it, sure. it's not as the the sexy multifamily or the, the sexy residential, but it definitely Whoa. has the... <laughs> Whoa, those are some strong words here. Because here's the thing. Notes and being the bank is the sexy side of real estate. Because the bank always gets paid, baby. That so, is true. That is so true. Let, so let yeah, I'll, I'll answer your question. So here's the thing. The first thing you got to realize is everybody is already in the note business. Everybody is already in the note business, whether you got a mortgage, a car, credit card, student loan debt, you owe your buddy Bubba down the street 50 bucks and an IOU. You're in the note business, but you're on the wrong side of the payment stream, okay? And you want to be on the receiving side of payments, right? So what when I'm talking about a note, most real estate investors think like, oh, so I'm going to owner finance a property, put it on a, a note with a balloon or a little bit down, and I'm going to owner finance it. That is just a small, small part of note investing. Now, that's popular because you've had people teaching owner financing, but most people don't teach what I focus on, and I'm actually primarily in the non-performing note space. So I'm, and I'll get to this here in a second, I'm buying just first liens, first mortgages on residential or commercial properties, whether it's a single family, a duplex, apartment loan, self-storage, everybody, all these properties out there have a mortgage on it for the most part. And a non-performing note, non-performing mortgage is where the borrower has not paid their mortgage payment in at least 90 days, Okay. And so we get lists of these notes, lists of these mortgages from banks and REITs and institutions where the bar hasn't paid in 90 days or six months or six years in some cases. So actually just looking at a note where the bar hadn't paid in, in 12 years, just a few minutes ago Oof. before we got started. Yeah. Why the bank hasn't foreclosed on that or the lender, I don't know, but they haven't, which is okay. It's, it's going to be a deal for me. So right. the, the different types, you have residential notes, you know traditional 30-year mortgage. You have commercial notes, which there is a lot of owner financing and commercial notes, but you've also got a lot of institutional debt. And right now, it's a huge opportunity in the commercial debt because a lot of that small balance stuff is is what's really discounted or what's really clogging up all these banks' books since COVID kicked in. 
that people haven't been paying or that business has gone out of business, you know, out of business or the people aren't paying their rent to the tenants, to the, you know, the landlords and stuff like that. So you have residential commercial performing notes are exactly what it sounds. It's a performing note is when somebody keeps paying on time. They're still paying, but they may have a balloon like in commercial. There's often a five-year balloon on commercial properties where they got to pay off that loan. If they can't pay the loan off, but they still keep paying, it's still considered performing, but you could still foreclose because the balloon has been called in a place in commercial. Hmm. On, you know, you've also a big facet is what we call re-performing notes. This is where somebody like me or you come in and buy a non-performing note. We work with the borrower, get them back on track through either, hey, doing a forbearance agreement where we take what they were behind and put it in the face amount of the loan, or we'll do a payment plan to get them back on track, or we'll modify the terms, whatever. As long as they start paying again, if they pay at least for 12 months on time, that's then considered in the industry a re-performing note. Okay. Mm-hmm. So we buy non-performing and re-performing. We also buy, we'll buy some performing stuff if the yield is good, but we buy non-performing at big discounts, usually 40, 50, sometimes 60% off the value of the property or off the actual underlying debt. And so how do we make our money is the buy it at a big discount. Let's give some simple numbers here. You know, say the borrower owes a hundred on their mortgage. They hadn't paid in five or six months. And so they owe like one five, one ten. Bank wants to get it off their books because they can't do anything. It's not bringing any income for them to leverage and arbitrage, you know, funds. Or, so they sell that note to us, say at 60 cents on the dollar. So we buy it at 60 grand. Mm-hmm. Well, our goal is to get that bar back on track. So if we can say, that, let's just say they have a 6% interest rate. Well, if we can start getting them back on track now for the next 12 months, they pay six grand in payments. Well, six grand on 60,000 is a 10% cash and cash return for us right there. Hmm. Okay. If we get in the bay extra, let's say they pay $2,000 extra on top of that, or 2,500, they pay $200 extra month. So it's 8,500 we bring in that first year. 8,500 on a $60,000 investment is about a 14% cash and cash return. That's the first part of getting, there's three phases to note investing. One is getting them to back on track for payment stream. Second one is to get them to bring some extra. You got to have some skin in the game from these non-performing bars to get them back on track. Otherwise, they'll non-perform. And then thirdly is the big buckets. Is at the end of that 12-month period of them paying on time, the non-performing loans now reclassified as a re-performing. I could sell that note back to Wall Street or other investors at 85, 90% of the value. Well, if I bought it at 60 and I'm selling it at 85,000, that's a $25,000 profit plus the payments along the way. So even if I just paid the six grand plus the 25 grand, that's 31,000 on a $60,000 investment. That's a pretty good ROI on that. Now let's say the borrower doesn't pay. You no pay, you no stay, okay? (laughs) We're the bank. We have the right to foreclose. If you will not work with us, then we'll go the legal route and foreclose. We bought it at 60, it takes us five grand to foreclose. We're in at 65, we sell it at auction at 90, 95. It's still a phenomenal rate of return in 12 months. So how, I guess, involved are you in talking to the owner of the note? No involvement at all. Well, I'm more like a general manager. No note investors, you should, you don't want to be hearing all these sob stories from these borrowers out there about your grandmother dying or they uh-huh. lost their job or grandma got run over by a reindeer. Oh. You know what I mean? There's We use servicing companies that handle that go-between. You know, hmm. look, I have a heart. I want to help people, but I also, 
I run a business. I don't run a charity. Right. right. And so we help a lot of people by, okay, look, start making your payments on time for 12 months. We'll forgive a bunch of your payments or for every extra payment you make, we'll forgive two payments or whatever. It depends on what you're behind on. You're way behind. You've been trying to do a loan mod for four years. You've lived in the house for 18 years. Okay. Just start making payments on time for 12 months. After 12 months, we'll forgive everything that you're behind on. You know, there's a lot of good, but there's servicing companies that we pay monthly that handle the, the borrower outreach aspect of things. We kind of dictate to them like what we want to do. Like this one note in Florida is looking at a second go. It's like, okay, if we re, if they want to, if we buy this note, if they just made their existing payment, it's okay. But we want them to bring some skin in the game. So if they're going to want to stay in their house, they've got to bring this much to the table. If they don't want to do that, then we'll give them five grand to walk. If they won't do that, then we'll just foreclose and they won't get anything because they are, they owed 130 on a, a condo that's worth 125 now. You know what I mean? So I'm not, I'm basically more of the general manager. I'm directing our vendors, directing our traffic. We spent, I spend most of our time finding deals and working with our investors to help fund those deals and then relying on the vendors, like I said, the servicing company, the attorneys and our outreach team to do the voodoo that they do to connect with the borrowers out there. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That definitely does make sense. And I guess another dumb question too, do, do you ever pull a loan to, to buy a note or are most of these notes you buy all cash? So you, you can't go get a loan most of the time okay. from banks to buy. But now here's the thing. That's a good question. I want to bring that up because sometimes, I mean, if you've got a line of credit, yeah, you can go do that. Or if you've got a credit card, I wouldn't necessarily recommend that. Somebody has bought a note with a credit card before. It's not very smart. But anyway, it was a good deal. They refinanced that money out really fast. But anyway, in commercial debt, and I know a lot of your audience is looking at multifamily stuff like that. There's a lot of these institutions, these banks out here that will if you're going to take it over the property where the owner operator has already walked, or you're going to start operating that property, they may be willing to finance that note purchase, move it from the non-performing side of their balance sheet to the positive side of their balance sheet, provided that you have a team with experience. If you're a brand new note investor and you don't have any experience operating, you want to make sure when you're talking to the banks that, well, I have this team who handles my management aspect of it, and they've got years of experience. They may still require you to bring 10 or 20% down. But banks don't want to lose million dollar loans off their portfolio. Yes, if the bars aren't paying, okay, yes, they'd rather get off and come in. But if they can keep the loan in house and put new borrower in place or new operator in place who can handle it, they're really willing to, to work with you to turn that from a negative on their balance sheet to a positive. Mm, that's fascinating. And I, I guess I've never really thought about it in, in that way, but I guess it's another question that comes up because you mentioned that you have investors buying notes with you, is how is that structured and what are investor expectations then if someone did want to invest you know, with you on a specific note? Or is it more diversified across a bunch of different notes and you're just buying into more of like a similar to a fund? So we we're, we have a fund that we're working through to finish on okay. right now. Yeah. So they Got can it. do that. If somebody wants to invest in an individual note, it's usually a six to 8% return to them. There's no back end side. If they're just funding the deal, we do a lending agreement and then either they'll we'll put a UCC one across some assets or they'll be codenamed on the recording documents. There's not a deed that transfers in a note business. It's called an assignment of mortgage. Hmm. So so like if you buy a house and a month later you probably get a letter saying your mortgage was sold to somebody else now pay this person. Yeah. So when we buy a note, if a part if an investor wants to be secured that way, we'll say okay, 50% interest to my LLC and 50% interest to their LLC, and then we just have a flat lending agreement, paying them a six to eight percent return on investment every quarter. 
Ah, okay. And so I guess what are some of the risks then that come with, you know, investing in notes? I'm so glad you asked that because there are some risks. If you approach it like a real estate investor that I'm going to pay like I'm normally as a real estate investor with yeah. the property, you're going to get burned because this is mm. not, you don't own the real estate. You own the debt. Okay. You're the buying debt. the more, you're buying the mortgage, you become in the bank. So like a lot of people screw up because they look, it's like if they're coming from like a fix and flip business, they look, oh, it's worth 200 and I can buy it for 150. There's all this equity. Well, in the note business, equity doesn't belong to the bank. It belongs to the borrower. So let's use it, say property's worth 200, the borrower only yep. owes 150. I'm not going to pay 150 for that note because if I have to foreclose, my highest and best would be like 150 or 155 or the late fees and everything. If it sells for 190 at the auction, I don't get that anything above what I'm owed. That goes to the borrower. So whereas a lot of real estate investors chase equity, we don't chase equity. It's not worth our time because we're not going to get that equity. The borrowers are also going to fight to avoid it going to foreclosure because they've paid on this and they'll file bankruptcy and TRO. So we prefer to actually chase assets where the borrower is underwater or owes more than the property is worth. The mm. next, you know, so that's the biggest thing. You can't approach it like a fix and flipper or a, you're going to own the property, you own the paper and, and, and do it. Next big thing is people will buy a portfolio of notes and then with the idea, they like the idea, but they don't understand the, I guess you could say the workout policies. They think they're going to, you know, I'm going to, oh, we're just going to foreclose on everything. Well, that's really the worst thing you could do. And I made that mistake early on in my first two years as an investor. I was like, oh, I'm just going to foreclose on anything. I'm not going to modify or reinstate like these borrowers reinstate. We're just going to foreclose on everything. So then if you're foreclosing on an asset, you don't have any income coming in. You're laying out attorney fees, insurance. And then to take the property back, you've probably got to repair it. You do some upkeep to it. Whereas if you, and I look back at the, my numbers and my assets that I bought and went the foreclosure route, if I had done a loan mod or a payment plan with a borrower, I'd immediately had cash flow coming in, no outgoing. I would have had not had to repair the property and I still could have sold the asset off and, and yielded equal to or more without having to deal with toilets, tents, and trash outs or having to rehab the property. Huh. And I would have just, it would have been all long-term capital gain stuff because I would have modified it at 12 months. And then that's a, a positive thing. There are some downturns. You can't depreciate a note like you can a I, single property. Yes. Yeah. There's no depreciation on it because uh, it's debt. It's not a, exactly. It's not equity. Exactly. Now, I, you know, we do end up taking property back. I mean, if we foreclose and nobody buys at the auction or we'll, you know, we'll do a lot of deed and lose where the bar will sign the property over to us and walk away. And then mm -hmm. we take that property back then. And then, then we can with those, we can write off. We write off a lot of the, the stuff that we forgive debt on. We 1099 the borrowers for that. So it, it reduces our profits or our taxable profits on that stuff. But right. the, the, the thing I love the most, it's always the biggest thing is one is we see a lot of deals. I mean, banks are sending us a bank will, is not just a one-time referral source. They send us tapes every month, every quarter, at least usually once a quarter, at least once a year sometimes. So the overhead of marketing, we use LinkedIn, we use email blast drip marketing for the most part, and then dialing for dollars. So your overhead costs are really, really inexpensive compared to like a lot of investors sending out postcards or yellow letters or bandit signs and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So marketing is cheaper. Our discounts, we see a lot bigger discounts than your traditional investors. 
you know, especially in markets that are hot. I mean, like, okay, well, we're not going to see anything really that makes sense in San Francisco or LA or San Diego because that's a hot, those are hot markets. So the banks don't want to sell anything at a big discount there. That's right. fine. But there's a lot of other places across the country that we can leverage our, our resources that I don't have to be there operating it. There's plenty of people like my vendors that can help me manage, you know, assets from all across the country. I mean, I've only seen about really walked about maybe less than 5% of the actual assets that we bought. Most of it's all been done virtually. And that leads that you can do this business from anywhere, whether you're in Austin or San Francisco or on a cruise ship in the middle of the Mediterranean, we've closed deals just about everywhere. So 5%, just to get a range, 5% of, I guess, how many assets are we talking? 1,500, 2,000. I don't know. I lost count a long time ago. <laughs> you know, like, so I'll give you, give you a great example. If I'm buying a portfolio, say in Ohio, right. you know, I'll jump in a portfolio. I'm talking like 15 or more, 10 or more. For yeah. that, yeah, it makes sense for me to jump on a plane, drive around Ohio for two days, check them all out, put my eyes on them and fly back. You know, Southwest flies basically only two and a half hours away from 90% of the country. That would make sense. If I'm looking at 50, I'll definitely fly out there. But if I'm buying onesie twosies, I'll pay a hundred bucks for a, an agent to go do me an external BPO and then report back to me on that. There's a lot of things with notes that we make offers. Like I'll give you a great example. We just got this tape in. It's got 20, uh, actually it had 119 notes on it. We removed half of them immediately because we don't buy in New York or New Jersey. We narrowed the other half down to about 19 and we'll make offers on probably around 15 of those. Submit an offer in. They don't ask for proof of funds. If they like our offering, they'll come back and either give us an acceptance or a counter. If they accept, we'll go to contract. Now I can still kill that contract or I can kick assets off if when I pull that when we pull our own values with agents and the value comes in way below what they said, we can kill it. If we see something wrong with the collateral or the servicing, we can kill it. If the legal's not started when they say it is, we can kill it. So we will probably whittle that list down to probably 10% of what we originally made an offering on. And those are the ones that we'll close on. Then it's off and running a big 60-day push once we fund to get the bar back on track. After, If they won't respond in 60 days, then if we bought it at a good enough price, we'll market that note for sale, like a wholesale fee, like try to make 5 or 10% of our money in 90 days. So we do that, that's a 40% yield on a quick hit. If they don't, then we full foreclose. And obviously that'll vary on a state-by-state -state basis as foreclosure timeframes are a little bit different. Hmm. Now, one thing I guess I'm, I'm trying to, to wrap my head around then is so like if, well, no, I, I'm actually working through my own thoughts because in my mind, I'm thinking like, okay, if there's an owner that is in distress and is underwater on his property, why, I guess, you know, sell at a loss and, or I guess right before, sell at a loss to, to another investor beforehand. I guess what, well, I guess they don't really have the decision then to go to the, if the bank buys it first or if you so, buy it first from the bank. So they still owe what they owe. Right. So they still owe what they owe. When I buy it at a discount, they still owe me, you know, if I buy it at 50, but they owe 125, they still owe 125. Okay. So I don't mind if they want to sell it. If they want to sell that house on a short sale. Great. If I'm at 50, I'll sell it. Let's see what we can get for it. 110, 115. We'll let you walk away from 15 grand of what you owe because it's still a, a positive for me, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or just need the property. We can let you walk. I'll, if the property's worth 100, okay, I just got an REO now that I can sell. I'll do whatever the hell I want with. So, wow. Okay. So it's starting to click and I'm starting to wrap my head around this. this I whole got process. You may have heard this sound just a second ago. 
that light bulb going on. <laughs> there it is. Anyway. Yeah, no, I oh, I really got to pick up one of those. That's pretty good. Uh, but what I guess, you know, now that I'm wrapping my head around this, one thing that definitely comes up to me, and I guess it sounds like a really exciting time just to be in the in investing in notes was during the 08 recession. Yeah. And that's why we're so excited about what's going on this year, because of oh. people not paying for two years. Mm-hmm. For the most part, we see increases and they talk about, oh, yeah, we're not going to see a downturn. No, you're going to see a downturn. Now, you may not see a lot of discounts in some of the, like Miami or Austin or San Francisco, but there's still plenty of blue, blue collar borrowers out there that have lost their job or left their job, but may not be making it. You know what I mean? And so, yeah, a great time to buy notes previously was, yeah, 2008 to about 2018. I mean, I've bought notes nonstop. Because what has happened is there was a lot more inventory. I mean, in 2010, we had 15 million homeowners underwater. That's just on the residential side, not to say the commercial side wasn't awesome. Right. And so as market values have increased, yes, there's been less distressed debt, but there's still plenty of places to go. We were very spoiled for most investors because there was a lot of these like websites that popped up that Mm -hmm. would sell notes. You know, they buy a portfolio and sell it off and people got really fat and happy off just buying off a few sources every month. Well, as those sources dried up, you had to market. And that's one thing that kind of separates us is that we're still constantly marketing to banks. We're using LinkedIn. We're still dialing for dollars at least one one day a month, tracking now new contacts at banks or as people leave to get to, into these interior departments. Because it's not just like going down to your local Wells Fargo and say, I want to buy notes. They'll laugh you out. Mm-hmm. The people the people handle the note sales in the banks or go by like one of four names. They may be in a whole different state. They may be in a whole different building. Then you're like loan servicing because we don't call loan servicing departments. We call either the main corporate office or we reach out to the special assets department or the secondary marketing department if it's a decent sized bank or the chief credit risk officer if it's a small community bank or they have a lot of insurance and rates. We'll reach out to people in the whole loan trading department. So you could literally go to LinkedIn, type in those four terms, and you'll see thousands of people on there that work for institutions that handle the debt sales. And so we do a big Big push of contacting them, you know, somewhere between 20 and 100 contacts a day. Not everybody has something, but the whole point here, it's easy to automate a lot of stuff. And if you get something, boom, great, it may lead to 20 deals or it may lead to 100 deals. I mean, I had a servicing company sent me 900 deals yesterday to look at. I got another one out of San Antonio sent me 20. A company out of California, Calabasas actually sent me 50. Yeah, sent me 50 notes to look at. They're all across the country. So Plenty of opportunity if you know how to market in this crazy age. Well, I was going to say that. How did you, I guess, build all these relationships then with these different, you know, banks? So I started off with a lot, like making 50 to 100 phone calls a day. Back in 2008, 9, and 10, uh-huh. three days a week, I would be making 50 to 100 phone calls. And I looked like, if you watched The Pursuit of Happiness with Will Smith, you know that movie where he's oh, dialing? Where he's, where he's or, dialing. Or, or Boiler he's, Room. Okay, or boiler room. I was, I was gonna. Well, originally, I was gonna assume that you, you know, you slept with you know, princess over in, in the bathroom. <laughs> but no, but, but the boiler room got it. That makes sense. Okay. It was that just makes more it, sense. <laughs> and when I was traveling so much, I was in Florida for like three months, and so huh. I would literally go like I hate to say it, I'd be in my suit and I would go door to door, go to one bank and say, hey, these smaller banks is like, listen, banks have to file a quarterly report with the FDIC, which they disclose they're good, the bad, and the ugly. So I would walk in, young guy at the time, you know, uh, high and tight haircut. And these guys be like, you know, 60, 70 year old guys looking at me like, what the hell do you know? 
And I'm like, well, sir, I know that you've got $78 million in bad residential loans, another $24 million in non-performing apartment loans that you're trying to get off your books. I can either help you or I can just go to the next door and buy his notes, their debt. And he's like, you know, people's like, oh, hang on a second and give me a couple minutes. And or then they pull me into a conference room and their conference rooms would be just stacked floor to ceiling with loan files. And they're like, this is my assistant. Please look at this stuff and feel free. You need anything, please call me. And so Miami Beach, Viva La Miami. I was buying notes on condos for five grand, 10 grand a pop back in the day. You know what I mean? Buying a million dollar house in Naples by buying the debt at 500 and then selling it at the foreclosure auction for 750. You know, I don't think we'll see such a big de- decrease in property values. We're still, we're seeing a decline in areas. Foreclosures affect markets. So, yeah. It's just you got to know, you know, just your capital costs, what it costs you for money. A lot of people will use in other investors' money, and a lot of investors want to make 10 to 12% on their money. And that's okay if you got big spreads, but as it gets a little tighter, we don't pay really above 6% because if investors not doing anything, it's just their money sitting there rotting away in their IRA or the checking account not making anything or negative with fees, 6% is really damn good for them. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is really mind blowing for me because this is the, I mean, like I said, this is the first conversation I've ever had about note investing, especially with an expert like yourself that you've definitely put in the work. And so I guess now, you know, preparing then for 2022 and and so forth, how are you hedging against some of the risks and how are you adjusting your margins with, you know, with buying notes and, and what are you preparing for and focused on? Great question. So we are really doubling down on our outreach. We're really doubling down on the marketing. Like I'll spend all day next Wednesday on the phones. And then I'll actually, one of the th- things that we do is actually I'll Zoom it. I'll live stream Zoom it out to my audience and they can watch me call banks for four to five hours. No way. I've done it. I do it once a quarter. We'll have 50, 70 people on there watch me call banks and hear the actual conversations. Like I had a class this last Friday. And we, we, we made five phone calls. I talked to four people. Two of them sent me an email and said, please, we don't have anything right now, but we know next quarter we will, or we know next month. And then one guy's like, oh, we don't have anything right now. And I'm like, that's fine. He's like, but call me back next quarter. You never know. So it's a much friendlier conversation than most people think because they're just like people like you and me. And so, but m- most people won't do that. Most people are inherently lazy. If they can get a website, great. We'll go make an offer, but they don't want, they, they're intimidated by that phone call or the debate, intimidated by reaching out on LinkedIn and say, hey, what do you have on your books? What are you looking to get rid of? You got anything with any hair on it? You know, you got any problem children that you need to get rid of? You know, <laughs> you got any naughty notes that need that are on the uh, naughty list? You know naughty what I mean? notes on the naughty <laughs> list. Oh my god! <laughs> Told you, no, it's a sexy side of real estate. Okay, there is there is a sexy side of, That's of right. notes. I didn't even, you know, you definitely changed my opinion on this. Definitely having a, a sexier outlook than what I originally imagined. And so, you know, now wrapping this this conversation up, then if, if people want to learn more about you know, about you, about note investing, and just want to get in contact with them, even even see you calling these banks. How can they get a hold of you? So it's pretty easy. If you go to weclosenotes.com, that's our main website, weclosenotes.com. We've got multiple podcasts. Note Night in America is a webinar we've been doing every Monday night for like 11 years. We, uh, As you said earlier, the, the Note Closers Show podcast is our main one. You can go there. I would love, if folks are really interested, I teach a one-day class called Note Weekend. I teach it the third Saturday of every month. It's like a, it's like a nine to three class. It's usually 99 bucks. It's kind of an intro, or as we call it, the Cliff Notes version. <laughs> but if you are interested in doing that, if you go to noteweekend.com and opt into it and use the code, let's do this, Taylor, use the code Taylor, 
I'll give you the class for free and over a thousand dollars of bonuses. You know, I'm not a pitch guy. I'm not going to sit here and, and pitch. I know what works and what, what we we're good at, what we do, but yeah, if you want to learn it, it's kind of dip your feet in the water, learn some of the basics about nut investing. Noteweekend.com code is Taylor and you'll get the class for free. Awesome. And those will definitely be in the show notes as well. Thank you, Scott, for coming on to the show. I cannot wait for our action items episode in a few days where we can get really granular and even get started on what we can do now to start taking action if we want to invest in notes. So thank you, Scott. And thank you everyone for listening. One second before you go, Taylor's kicking ass and taking names of this <laughs> podcast, everybody. So we as podcasters love to hear from our audience. So while you're listening to this and on your favorite podcasting platform, hit that subscribe button and make sure to oh. hit that review button. <laughs> And leave Taylor a five-star <laughs> review. We love hearing from it. And do that for Taylor, man. We love it as podcasters. Ah, Scott, I appreciate you too much. I'll pay you 20 later. Thank you. <laughs> no, I appreciate it, Scott. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Leave a review. Listen, listen to the man. He knows what he's doing. Have a good one. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to this episode. If you got any value out of the show, I'd greatly appreciate if you leave a rating and review on iTunes to help others receive that same value. If you're looking to learn more on how to passively invest in apartment buildings or self-storage assets, click on my link in the show notes to learn more. Thanks and I'll see you next time.